Good morning, 88.9 The Bridge. I'm Sophie Prock, and I'm here with Ted Weinberg, the newest member of the Mercer Island City Council. This fall, my classmate and I, Sid Shroff, spent time interviewing many of the candidates in the running. Because Ted won the election and now holds a position on the council, he's back for even more conversation. Ted, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm fantastic. Thank you. Good, good. I'm glad. Well, I'm also very glad that you could be back here to chat with me. Mm -hmm. So I'll go ahead with our first question. Yeah, go for it. What are your plans surrounding the city parks on Mercer Island? Well, the City Parks and Recreation Commission has been working with members of the community for over two years uh, on a parks, recreation, and open space plan, or the PROS plan for short. It's like a 128-page document that uh, has a vision for all the innovative and inclusive and interconnected system of parks that we have uh, and trails and open space. So it includes a long-range capital plan uh, uh, with goals and strategies for achieving those goals over the next decade. Uh, there's been so much thought uh, and effort put into uh, building this pros plan that it's going to take a while for the Parks and Recreation Commission, a full month, frankly, uh, this month, <laughs> to convey uh, and explain this to the city council. Uh, so once the city council members have had a chance to read through it and understand it and make any amendments they think are necessary to it, then we're going to be adopting this pros plan into uh, as part of the comprehensive plan, which uh, to the city is kind of like what the Constitution is for the federal government. Mm -hmm. And so by the next time that you and I meet, uh, we're hopefully I'll know a lot more about uh, the parks <laughs> uh, system and the pros plan because uh, I'm going to be uh, literally drinking from a fire hose to learn it over the next month. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, – one thing that will be in the back of my mind as I read through the pros plan, by the way, is going to be what mechanisms uh, it puts in place, if any, uh, for acquiring new uh, land uh, and for parks and open space. Mm -hmm. uh, the opportunities for that don't really rise very often, maybe only once or twice per generation. But if we don't have a structure in place for funding an acquisition of land uh, or new parks and open space, when the opportunity arises, we risk missing those opportunities. Uh, by the way, a hint, I don't think we're going to have to go that alone because there are other layers of government above us uh, that also want to see new uh, land acquired for parks and recreation. That's wonderful. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm excited for that. You know, I think parks are a huge part of Mercer Island, especially Absolutely. for me, my friends, my pet, my dog. We go a lot. So I'm excited to see what's to come. Yeah, I, I was actually a lifeguard for a couple of summers at Lizard oh, really? Burbank when I was a teenager. Uh, so I... Uh, have a very strong attachment to that particular park, but many other parks as well. Mm -hmm. That's so funny. <laughs> and what are your plans for Mercer Island School District? Yeah, yeah, so although the school district is governed by the school board and not by the mm -hmm. council, uh, there are many ways in which the uh, two governing bodies interact. Uh, the most significant interaction uh, centers around the funding and staffing of the mental health counselors. Mm -hmm. But there are many other less visible or less controversial ways in which the city and the school uh, collaborate. The city maintains the school's uh, sports fields. The school maintains the gas pump uh, at, that fuels the school buses and the uh, city vehicles. And mm -hmm. the fire department you know, uh, provides on-site medic services at sports events. And the list goes on. But uh, most of these are backed by formal agreements called interlocal agreements or ILAs. Mm -hmm. um, and beyond the ILAs, the uh, city also provides infrastructure support to the schools like roads and utilities, sidewalks, uh, crosswalks, mm -hmm. and strategically placed trails so that we can get to and from school without having to cross major streets uh, and make it safer to walk and to bike. Yeah. Uh, and 
All of these agreements and infrastructure need regular maintenance, uh, and that's why the school district and the uh, school board and the uh, council meet on a regular basis, uh, at least once a year, to uh, mm-hmm. to go over those. We also need to keep an eye out for where there are gaps uh, and where we can what we can do to better serve our students. Yes, yes, and and you brought up mental health, and mm-hmm. just to touch on that a little bit, I think that's a huge a huge problem in our community right now, mm-hmm. um, especially for high schoolers surrounding not only our this worldwide pandemic that still seems to be raging on and Mm -hmm. everything. So I appreciate that the city council is taking time to to look at that as well. Youth and family services is a core service of our community. I I, Mm -hmm. uh, went to uh, high school here, as you know, uh, and uh, it saves lives. It really Uh, does. There are, uh, I I know people who were directly helped uh, by that, uh, by the the R&R Center, which was there back in the 1980s when I was here. Um, and uh, uh, it's it's a core service. We need to make sure that it has uh, solid funding. Yes, yes. Thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And how will you implement sustainability on Mercer Island? Yeah, so um, each of the past four generations has faced an existential crisis of one form or another. Our great-grandparents survived the Great Depression. Uh, my grandparents at least got through, got through World War II. Uh, uh, my parents uh, I had the nuclear arms race to negotiate. For our generation, the crisis is climate change. Yes, we need. We, we're going to have to come together uh, to save our climate because we have no other choice. There's no other planet we can go to. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, in the past month, the city has begun building an ambitious climate action plan, or CAP. We like using acronyms. <laughs> uh, everyone on the island gets to have a say in that, uh, but it will ultimately come before the council to pass it into law. The Climate Action Plan will identify specific goals, which will have measurable targets and deadlines, and a list of projects and policies uh, through which we will achieve those goals. Some of those policies will ensure uh, that that some of the policies that I want to ensure get included in uh, the uh, plan include requiring that electric vehicle chargers uh, get put in all new construction uh, and uh, it's, it's significant remodels as well, mm-hmm. uh, requiring that uh, electric or solar heat uh, uh, exchange systems get put into new apartment buildings or those that are significantly remodeled, mm-hmm. um, and getting rid of the gas-powered leaf blowers. Uh, it's not only uh, bad for the environment, they're just noisy. They are. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Mm-hmm. And I, my family actually has an electric vehicle, and you were talking about this just before we started our interview mm-hmm. about how sometimes difficult it is to find chargers, especially along longer routes and mm-hmm. traveling. So yeah, that's a, that's a good thing to have on the Island. Yeah. Yeah. And doing a road trip down to California and back, which my wife and I do every year uh, in an electric mm-hmm. vehicle requires planning each day, each yes. hour ahead of time to say, okay, where's the next charger? What's the temperature going to be? How much hill do we have to climb to get there, et cetera. And, and making sure we never run out of charge because mm-hmm. it's sort of a long ways for the next charger. You're sometimes. right. You know, and it, it's nice not to have to go get gas, but mm. then it's a whole different problem yeah. to deal with. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, eventually the chargers will be as ubiquitous as gas stations. Yes, uh, it's right. going to take a decade or two uh, for us to get that infrastructure built. Mm-hmm. But uh, several you know, leading companies like Tesla have uh, really uh, gone above and beyond to create mm-hmm. uh, a network of chargers out there. Mm-hmm. Yes, and I agree. I think a huge problem, and you said an existential crisis, is mm-hmm. climate change mm-hmm. and that is such an important thing that city council needs to be focusing on. So, I agree. Yes. Mm-hmm. And what was the most stressful part about running for city council? Uh, 
Yeah. Well, the, frankly, I, I gave this. I, 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 I gave the the whole idea of running for office a lot of thought before I threw my hat in the ring. <laughs> the the most stressful part, frankly, was right at the beginning of making that decision. I I knew that it was going to be a tremendous commitment involving eleven months of fundraising and doorbelling and preparing for debates where I wouldn't know the questions ahead of time um, and making one high stakes strategic decision after another day after day uh, and then sticking to my principle of civil civic discourse and not reciprocating when confronted by someone acting in an uncivil manner, which didn't happen very often, but it, there were a couple of times mm-hmm. uh, during the campaign. And I, I know that there are some folks that are listening to this program who are seriously considering a career uh, in governmental leadership, and I want to strongly encourage them to do so. Uh, every generation needs leaders. So at some point in your studies, you're going to, yeah, I, I recommend that you look up a speech that was made 112 years ago by an influential leader of that era. The speech is called The Man in the Arena. You should be able to find it based on that. I won't tell you who said it. That'll be a surprise for you. Uh, but it helped me decide whether to run. I think it'll help you as well. That's so interesting. I know a lot, a lot of people around here I've been talking to, we all as high schoolers get the question of, what does your future look like? Are you planning to go to college? Are you planning? Do you know what you want to study? All of these things. And I think a lot of people really don't know what they want to study. And I think mm-hmm. that's really interesting. I know some people who have told me, oh, I'm interested in politics. I'm interested in law. And that's interesting. I'm glad you brought that up. Well, high school and college uh, are the time to explore. When you're in kind of a circular room that has doors on all sides Mm -hmm. and you can go explore one thing and study politics for a bit. And if you like it, great, stay there. If you don't like it, go back into the circular room and find different ones. You know, uh, try chemistry or try Mm -hmm. architecture or what have you. Uh, My my first major was architecture. My first degree was architecture. I didn't do architecture as a career. (laughs) I I did uh, computer science. Uh, So it's okay to uh, change your mind. But that's what... Uh, this exciting time of life of high school and college is about is experimenting and exploring what you like. Mm-hmm. I agree. And I think it's also really important for the students at Mercer Island to to understand that. And I myself get caught up in a lot of thinking, oh, I need to be set on this pathway to be to go to this college, to be this successful. But really, like you said, there are so many different opportunities and pathways you can go from, from that circular room. And I, mm-hmm. I think that's great. And, and you'll know it when you find it. I mean, there will be something that just lights your candle that uh, you discover, I have a passion for this, and you want to keep mm-hmm. doing it. Yeah. And it might be something completely different than what you thought you were going to college for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I had no idea computer science was going to be the thing that I would want to do for the rest of my career uh, when I went to architecture school. But mm-hmm. hey, <laughs> first CS class, I was like, this is cool. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. What are your top priorities now that you're a part of the city council? Oh, my. I, I have lots of priorities, uh, mm-hmm. but for the sake of time, I'll, I'll list the top four. Uh, number one is keeping the core services of the city government fully funded and functioning. Fire, police, public works, parks, and youth and family services. Uh, keeping everything functioning means fixing things proactively before they break. Uh, and number two is enacting policies that will get us to a 50% reduction of greenhouse gas emissions uh, by 2030. I listed some of those goals in the earlier question. Mm -hmm. Uh, Number three is uh, we need policies that will show measurable progress towards improved diversity, equity, and inclusion in the city's workforce, its contracting, and in its regulations around rental housing contracts. And the fourth one, uh, I guess I would put... uh, 
we need to strengthen and expand our partnerships with governmental agencies, both on the island, is where schools, and off the island to help address homelessness and other uh, key regional issues. Mm-hmm. Yes, and I think a huge part of our world right now is growth and diversity, mm-hmm. which is what you said. And I appreciate that the city council is taking a stand on that. And mm-hmm. can you elaborate a little more on diversity and growth in the city council? Yeah, sure. Uh, so we currently do not have a clause or an element, as we call it, uh, in our comprehensive plan, which again is our constitution for the city, uh, which declares diversity, equity, and inclusion to be a core value for our city. Mm-hmm. We need that, yes. right? We need to put that in there. Uh, everything that the city works on needs to tie back to an element of our comprehensive plan. And if it doesn't, then we're like, whoa, this, this is getting off track. Let's steer back. And that's part of the, the part of what's holding us back from uh, creating these uh, system-wide goals for increasing diversity, measuring and increasing diversity within the city and figure out how many... Uh, minority-owned businesses are we doing contracting with? Uh, and how do we improve that? How do we reach out and find the businesses? Uh, and we having that core goal in our uh, comprehensive plan is a start towards mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it'll take yeah, a bit of effort to do that because I don't think there's unanimity yet on the council. But the council is off to a very good start this year in terms of uh, working as a team. Uh, so I, I think there's a good chance we'll be able to get that in there. That's wonderful. You know, as our world grows, I agree we need to grow with it as mm-hmm. well. That's, yes, important. So how will you approach taking input from the community? So I have started a uh, monthly open brunches mm-hmm. uh, at local restaurants. Uh, anybody's welcome to join in so long as they show their respects to the chef by <laughs> uh, buying some food and beverage. Uh, and uh, accepting input from the community means carefully listening to what people have to say, uh, both at the brunches and at council meetings, at board and commission meetings, which I uh, plan on uh, listening in on or uh, maybe being one of the liaisons to. Mm-hmm. Uh, it depends on when we decide who's going to be liaisons to uh, which boards and commissions, uh, something we, the council resets every couple of years. Uh, when volunteering together with people as well and uh, – through the steady stream of emails and cards and letters that I continue to receive and happily uh, love to uh, hear from the rest of the community. Everyone's got a unique perspective, a unique perspective out there that helps to build the broader picture uh, that a council member really needs uh, when making policy decisions. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I think as a high school student as well, just connecting back to this topic, Mm -hmm. I think that, being knowing that city council members are willing to listen to our opinions and what we have to say is is comforting in a way because we know that we'll have a say in the community and we'll be able to change what we think is needing to be changed so. absolutely and uh, let's make no bones about it it's your community i mean mm-hmm. in uh the leaders of today are walking the halls of this high school right now uh, the, the leaders the leaders of tomorrow are, are, are also uh, walking the halls of the high school right now so uh, having ownership of uh, uh, making uh, sure that climate change uh, is mitigated, making sure that uh, diversity gets uh, included uh, in our plans and in our policies, uh, this starts with people uh, as, as soon as they are ready to engage with uh, the, the public process. And for some of us, it starts you know, it, very early as a, as a uh, grade schooler, as a middle schooler. I, I didn't really get all that interested in, in politics until uh, much later, and probably uh, in, in college uh, and beyond. 
but uh, that's okay. When, when people are ready, they should uh, get engaged. Yes, yes, I agree. How do you plan to uphold the promises you made when running for city council? Or, I'm sorry, excuse me, when becoming, when you are now a part of the city council, yeah, yeah. excuse me. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Uh, so I focus on planning, focus, and patience. I, I have this grid on the wall in my study at home mm -hmm. uh, where each row is an area where I want to enact permanent positive change. And each column is a calendar quarter. So each cell in that matrix uh, is a, a – it was where I track specific mi milestones that I want to achieve in that quarter towards that particular you know, policy goals in that area. Uh, so once a week, I review uh, the target milestones for the current quarter and determine what tasks I need to uh, complete in the next week to make progress towards those goals. Uh, and this approach allows me to spend the vast majority of my time and effort completing tasks that make progress towards the goals rather than feeling overwhelmed by the enormity of some of these long-term goals mm -hmm. um, or getting locked up in indecision about what to do next. And all that planning and focus uh, wouldn't be complete without patience. Uh, having ambitious and aspirational goals means not expecting that all of them are going to be achieved. Mm -hmm. uh, I remember from my uh, studies in reading biographies of uh, different uh, presidents and uh, and uh, social leaders. There's a quote from, I believe it was FDR, that said he doesn't plan on hitting a home run every time he comes up to bat, but that his goal is to have the highest possible batting average. Mm -hmm. So being patient, realizing not every one of them is going to win, but working as hard as I can to uh, make progress on each of them. Yes, those are those are really important values, too, to, mm -hmm. to have even just in your everyday life, not even just on city council, but to to understand what patience is and growth is at the same time while also being able to reach your goals. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And what is the city council's plan with the light rail arriving on Mercer Island? Yeah, yeah. So uh, I, I grew up in uh, here on Mercer as you know. I was born in Seattle, um, mm -hmm. and uh, we have needed a mass transit system for generations uh, here in the, the greater Seattle area. Uh, we're finally getting one. The light rail station will open on time in 2023. Uh, Sound Transit needs to honor its contract with the city of Mercer Island and get back to its core mission of delivering fast, safe, reliable, environmentally sustainable transportation uh, for us uh, to Seattle and to the east side. As islanders, we need to focus on availing ourselves of the opportunities of this game-changing infrastructure. Mm -hmm. uh, we need to establish uh, policies that will enable the businesses of Town Center to benefit economically uh, from this stream of humanity that's going to be flowing on and off the trains. And we need to do so in a way that preserves the public safety that we all uh, value so highly here on the island. As a city, we also need to come up with an improved last-mile transportation list of options so that we can get to and from the train station without having everyone park a single occupant vehicle at the north end of the island every day. Mm -hmm. Yes, and what really stuck with me from what you just said is, mm -hmm. is safety. I think that is a major, major thing, especially here on Mercer Island, because so mm -hmm. many people reside here because it's so safe. Mm -hmm. So I, I do appreciate that the city council is taking mm -hmm. that into consideration. Well, as part of running for office, I yes. uh, uh, knocked doors on in all precincts, all 44 precincts here on the island. Mm -hmm. And I asked everyone pretty much the same question, which was, what are the things you love about Mercer Island that I can work on in city council? 
and I would take notes to to make sure I was capturing what people wanted out there. And uh, so there were 24, 25 different uh, topics that would come up very often. Um, mm-hmm. And the one that was the mode, meaning the one that, that I heard the most often uh, of all of them, uh, was safety. They, they love the safety here on the other, the fact that it's safe. A close second to that was parks, right? Everyone loves their parks, <laughs> yes. right? And everyone loves their schools. Those mm-hmm. are almost, sometimes schools would jump ahead of the, the other two, depending mm-hmm. on whether we were right next to the, the school board election or something. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, public safety is, is key here on the island and making sure that our, uh, our fire and police are fully funded and supported. Uh, people uh, express their love for the fire and, and police department on a regular basis. They're always uh, receiving cookies and cakes and turkey oh. dinners and such uh, at the uh, at the station, which is rare. There are not a lot of communities uh, that uh, have that that tight of a bond uh, with their public safety group. Mm-hmm. That's also something I love about Mercer Island, the, the tight bond and tight-knit community we have here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And is there anything else that has changed since last time we chatted that you'd like to talk about? Yes, actually. Um, so there's a group of about 35 uh, island residents uh, and I and uh, about 80 Amazon employees that are teaming up in the first quarter of 2022 to build a new tiny house village in Seattle. Uh, anyone 18 years or older can join us. Uh, and we're going to be building these houses in a factory uh, south of the Mariner Stadium, mm-hmm. uh, lining up all the wooden parts uh, for a new wall and a big template we call a jig, and then popping them all together with uh, nail guns and then tilting the walls up and attaching the roof and all that fun stuff. Um, other volunteer teams uh, do the foundation and the painting of the doors and the mm-hmm. windows and the heater. Uh, but the, uh, it all comes together. Uh, and the... There's like 35 of these we're going to be building, and the site is going to be in South Lake Union. It's already been the land has already been procured mm-hmm. uh, for this new village, and the first 35 uh, and uh, the first of the 35 townhouse or tiny houses will be built this weekend the, on the eighth, uh, and we should have all 35 of them built by the end of March. Um, the site, which will be complete with a communal kitchen and bathroom and offices for the full-time counselor, nurse, and security guard, should be all ready for residents to move in by May. Uh, the best part about all this is that it's been proven to work. The organization that uh, runs the factory is called Lehigh, or Low Income Housing Institute, mm-hmm. and uh, it has eight of these tiny house villages already built and operating in Seattle. And on average, residents only stay for about 12 months before the on-site counselor finds them permanent housing. So this really works. It gets uh, people through, and it just uh, needs us to help out. The the costs of the on-site operations, by the way, um, primarily the salaries of the counselor, nurse, and and the guard, are paid by uh, the county and the city of Seattle. Uh, The building materials are paid for by charitable contributions. A lot of us... uh, uh, volunteer amateur carpenters are chipping in for it, but mm-hmm. uh, there's uh, an organizer among us that uh, is really good. There's a, a VP at Amazon that was able to get all the Amazon uh, employees to join us and that mm-hmm. uh, has a lot of good friends that were able to uh, help contribute there. But this is what compassion looks like. This is what progress looks like. And this is how we come together as a broader community and build solutions that help people climb their way out of homelessness. Mm-hmm. Again, anyone 18 or over uh, who would like to help out, uh, please email me. Uh, I'm ted.weinberg at mercergov.org. Uh, happy to uh, find a date when you can help one of the uh, 12-person construction teams. 
Wow, that that is really just wonderful. I I love that. I think that's you are really taking a step away. Well, that's not the right way to say it. Taking a step to Seattle, the broader community as well, with people from Mercer Island, and and really showing, like you said, compassion. That's that's really nice. I I appreciate that. Well, and and this what has how we solve uh, problems together, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a way to leverage the volunteerism. That there's there's definitely a strong vibe of volunteerism here on Mercer Island, mm-hmm. and uh, getting people to find a way to uh, roll up their sleeves and make a difference. Yes, that's so true. And just for our, just to close it out, mm-hmm. your swearing ceremony was this Tuesday. Okay. And how did that go for you? Yeah, yeah. Well, it was uh, uh, relatively uneventful. I was worried I was going to flood my lines or something like <laughs> that. But uh, it was uh, just a couple minutes of raise your right hands and, and right hand and repeat after me. Um, and uh, they allowed me to invite uh, uh, family to come. Usually it's done in person at mm-hmm. uh, City Hall, and so everyone's kind of standing around the, the flag, but the uh, that limits it to the people who are actually within driving distance. But this yeah. is all online, right? It's on Zoom. So mm-hmm. I'm kind of like, hey, let's invite all the family. So Aww. I had family members from like four different states who were all logged in, uh, and many of whom were actually helping out with the, the campaign and you know mm-hmm. helping with uh, uh, writing letters and, and what have you. But... Uh, uh, mainly moral support, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was it was a great kind of little mini family reunion, uh, and uh, the uh, the I, I like how the council is coming together. Uh, I I've already have like uh, coffee set up with uh, several of the other council members to mm-hmm. meet uh, uh, and discuss what our visions are for the city and what our goals are and what we can collaborate on and where we have common ground. Mm-hmm. That's wonderful. I love that aspect of it that you were able, you know. Zoom might not be the best uh, for for learning and other situations, but that is the nice thing about it, where you can have people from all over the country, like you said, join and and support you. That's wonderful. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. All right, Ted, thank you so much for being here today. Of course. 88.9 is very honored to have you on our airwaves for now, the second time. (laughs) (laughs) Second of many, I hope. Yes, and me as well. Thanks for tuning in 88.9. I'm Sophie Prof, and tune in later for more.